This is Radio Orbit, exploring the secrets of everything on KOPN 89.5 FM, Columbia. Welcome to Radio Orbit, October 3rd, 2004. This is Mike Hagan. I'm your host every week from Sunday morning from 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. on Radio Orbit. And uh, good to be with you again tonight. Uh, got a great show lined up for you tonight. Got Kent Stedman coming to you live from Seattle, Washington in just a few minutes. Actually, about 45 minutes, 50 minutes from now. Kent's going to be on the air. 
and uh, we're going to be talking about earth changes and all the wild things that have been happening around the around the world uh not just in the last few weeks uh, over the last few years but certainly things getting intense over the last few weeks we've got incredible hurricane activity in the Atlantic and the Pacific, uh, we've got Mount St. Helens, which we'll be talking about uh, tonight. Mount St. Helens actually had a, uh, a small eruption yesterday and is ongoing. Uh, Kent and I have been talking all day about what's going on uh, inside of Mount, uh, Mount St. Helens. So we'll be talking about that. Uh, um, there is a possibility of an imminent uh, explosion, a significant eruption from Mount St. Helens, something uh, uh, maybe along the lines, uh, along the scale of what happened in 1980, 24 years ago, uh, which blew apart half that mountain and killed a lot of people and uh, caused a whole lot of trouble for the folks out there in the Pacific Northwest. So we'll be talking about Mount St. Helens and uh, volcanism in general. We'll be talking about earthquakes. There have been some earthquakes in California over the last few days. Um, just lots of stuff going on, lots of stuff to talk about. So uh, Kent Stedman will be here in about 50 minutes at the top of the hour at 3 o'clock. And like I say, we'll be talking to Kent live from uh, from Seattle, Washington. Before that, uh, we'll listen to some music, as always, getting things going with little Pink Floyd like we always do. And uh, we will talk about a few other stories that I want to bring you up to speed on. We'll do a little space weather update coming up in just a few minutes here let you know what's going on on the sun let you know any interesting things that are happening on the in the sky above your head here in lovely columbia missouri was just out on the street uh coming down here to the radio station and pretty hopping evening tonight out there in columbia it looks like a lot of people hanging out outside the blue note i'm not sure what show was uh what show was going on tonight but lots happening around town uh, one other thing, and, and an important thing that I want to talk about uh, real fast, is that uh, I'm actually not going to be here next week, next weekend. Um, so I'm going to uh, do my best to uh, to do a job tonight that I don't typically do, and that is to talk to you all about our pledge drive. Uh, the KOPN Fall Pledge Drive starts actually today. Um, and I might be the first official broadcaster to be talking about the pledge drive, even though I'm kind of doing it informally. Um, I was going to do my major uh, pledge drive push next week on my program, but uh, circumstances have changed a little bit, and I'm not going to be in town, and I'm not going to be able to do the program next week, so I'll probably have a recorded show. In fact, I'll probably record this one and uh, replay, it, uh, replay it next week. But in any case, uh, for listeners out there, most of you who are listening to me right now are familiar with the format here at KOPN. KOPN is a community radio station, and in fact, that reminds me, I should probably do our uh, top of the hour station ID and uh, take care of that business. So uh, you are listening to 89.5 FM, Mid-Missouri Source for in-depth news, diverse talk, music of the world. It's more than radio, it's community radio, and it's also the home for Radio Orbit, uh, KOPN, Columbia, Lake Ozark, Sedalia, Sturgeon, Inglewood, New Franklin, New Haven, Centralia, Centertown, Boonville, Boonesboro, Roachport, which I call home these days, and uh, lots of other places around mid-Missouri. So your community radio station coming to you live, Radio Orbit, Mike Hagan, Sunday, October 3rd. And uh, this is our pledge drive week, so I'm going to be hitting you up one or two times uh, over the next few hours to talk about donating a little bit of your hard-earned money to help keep 
Radio Orbit and KOPN going here on 89.5 FM. The radio station is fully sponsored by the community. We do not have a, co- um, uh, a corporate uh, type situation. We're a public broadcasting station and we are supported by the community. That means that uh, without your dollars, without your donations, without your support, you, the people that are listening to my show right now, well, without station, uh, the station goes off the air. And that is something that I certainly don't want to see happen. And most of the people who listen to KOPN and like this radio station don't want to see that happen either. And that's why they're pretty liberal with their checkbooks and they really do their best to help support this radio station and um, if you'd like to do that tonight I'll be glad uh, to, uh, to take your phone calls and um, I'm the only one here in the studio tonight so it might be a little bit of a juggling act I may have to set something up where we call you back or uh, you leave a message on the um, on the uh, answering machine or something like that um, and we can always call you back and take care of uh, take care of that. Also, you can email me at orbitradio o r b i t r a d i o at aol dot com. Email me your information. I'll email you back, and we can take care of the pledge later. But um, anybody who's interested in keeping this sort of programming on the air at KOPN, uh, the things that we talk about on this program are things that you will not hear typically on most any radio station, certainly not here in Columbia, um, not locally will you hear the sort of things that you get from uh, from Radio Orbit, interviews like we had last weekend with Lucy Pringle live from the United Kingdom talking about crop formations and electromagnetic phenomena, and before that, the week before, we talked to Dr. Colin Ross, a psychiatrist down in Dallas who's done an incredible amount of research on mind control and uh, covert funding and research of mind control in this country in the past. Uh, we've talked to G. Edward Griffin. Uh, we talked to Kent Stedman regularly from Cyberspace Orbit. What a treat. We're lucky enough to get Kent on the phone here every four, five, six weeks, and uh, that is just a gift from God. My friends, uh, you may not know it right now, but the uh, the broadcast and the time that we have Kent Stedman on the air is very valuable time. The guy is a wizard in his own rights, and um, uh, I think that we're very fortunate to be able to get to hear his ideas and the information that he brings to us on a regular basis. So, the number here in the studio is area code five seven three eight seven four five six seven six. You can also reach us. Uh, if you're outside the 573 area code, you can get me at 1-800-895-5676. That's 573-874-5676 or 1-800-895-5676. 1-800-895-KOPN and 874-KOPN. All right, so Pledge Drive Week. Uh, um, anybody out there, I'll take anything you got. The show hasn't been around for a while, so my goal isn't uh, uh, isn't really pie in the sky, not too high. Just hoping to make a little bit of money and do my part to help the radio station stay on the air and to help keep my program, Radio Orbit, on the air. So anybody who'd like to do that as well, please give me a call at 874-5676, and um, I'll be glad to, to, uh, to take your pledge, and you can become a member of KOPN and help out the radio station and help out Radio Orbit. i got lots of great... Uh, 
premiums, lots of really cool stuff uh, available along with your pledge. Even a $40 pledge gets um, quite a few things in addition to that pledge, you get a $20 di- gift certificate if you use your credit card right up front. So then it's, all, it's automatically only costing you $20. And a few special things for Radio Orbit listeners. Um, I've got some Fate Magazine T-shirts that Phyllis Galdi from Fate Magazine was nice enough to donate to the station. Uh, I interviewed Phyllis a few weeks ago, and we had a really great conversation about Fate Magazine and uh, those are the kind of people that we talk to here on Radio Orbit. We talk about the unexplained and the mysterious and phenomenon that just don't get talked about uh, in the mainstream on a regular basis. Uh, so we like to push the outside of the envelope a little bit and make your minds burn a little bit. And like to see a little smoke coming out of your ears when you're listening to my program. Let's me know that things are going on inside there between your ears and uh, lots of things going on like that on Radio Orbit all the time. So. Uh, I won't waste a whole lot of our time talking about this because I want to get to the program so you guys can see the sort of things that you do get here and what you get for your money if you do decide to make a pledge and uh, do decide to become a member here at KOPN. But like I said, got really cool stuff. Got some great stuff from Fate Magazine that uh, we can throw in with any pledge here uh, on Radio Orbit tonight. And uh, Kent Stedman, I'll also be able to give away some CD-ROMs that have the entire orchi- uh, the entire archive from cyberspaceorbit.com going back five, six, seven years everything that Kent has investigated and researched over the last five or six years he's been able to compile all that on a CD that we're calling the secrets of everything and if you call tonight and give me a pledge become a member at KOPN and support Radio Orbit and 89.5 KOPN uh, you can get one of those uh archived CD-ROMs from cyberspaceorbit.com. Like I say, it's just a wealth of information and just a tremendous amount of great stuff going on in there. So 874-5676, give me a call and uh, see what you can do to help us out here at KOPN and on Radio Orbit. Let's do a little space weather update right now and uh, look at what's happening on the skies, uh, in the skies above our heads and on the sun uh, right now, things are pretty mellow on the sun, although we are in the middle of aurora season, so you can get you can get great um, you can get some pretty great aurora activity, even though there's not a whole lot of activity on the sun right now. Uh, the solar wind. Uh, I don't talk about the solar wind too often, but I think it's something that I'll add at the beginning of space weather from now on because the solar wind is uh, a direct indication of. Uh, what's happening on the sun or what's happened on the sun and how that might affect planet Earth. Uh, The solar wind is measured in speed. They look at it as in uh, kilometers per per second is the way that it's looked at. And um, uh, right now, actually earlier today, the solar wind was at about 360 kilometers per second and about five protons per cubic centimeter, and that's a pretty moderate solar wind. The solar wind gets real high. Sometimes we see it go in the seven, eight hundred speeds, and those are usually results of coronal mass ejections and big flares that are throwing solar material our way, and uh, we can we can judge uh, sort of uh, with a, a little bit of advanced warning uh, geomagnetic activity that's going to be seen here on planet Earth by looking at the solar wind. So solar wind uh, cruising along about 350, 360 kilometers per second right now. Nothing to worry about. Not a lot of big flare activity. Not a lot of 
uh, not a lot of uh, coronal mass ejection activity, not even a lot of big sunspot uh, areas, at least not on the front side of the sun right now. So that's what's going on on, on our, uh, our local star, 93 million m- miles away from us. And um, we'll talk about that again next week. What's going on on the sky, uh, in the sky? Venus and Regulus. Uh, tomorrow morning, if you get up just before sunrise, actually this morning uh, on Sunday, uh, and you look to the east, Venus and uh, a very bright star called Regulus will be very close together in the eastern sky. They'll only be a, well, less than a degree, less than one degree apart up there in the sky. And uh, Venus is always very bright in the eastern sky at that time of the morning and this time of year. And uh, you'll be able to see them very clearly with the unaided eye. And uh, if you look through some binoculars, you'll be able to see them even more, uh, more spectacularly. Uh, but it'll be pretty cool. So check out Regulus and Venus to the east this morning and tomorrow morning um, uh, before you get up, and it'll be pretty cool. What else happening? Uh, blue moon. Ah, because of the um, because of the volcanic activity that's happening out in the western United States right now, there's a possibility uh, for a blue moon. Now, uh, th- let me define this first. There are, there are two different types of blue moons that we're talking about here. The one is we call a blue moon um, when any particular month has two full moons in that month. We call the second one a blue moon. Now, there's actually a reason for that, and it has to do with calendars and the fact that the Gregorian calendar is an inaccurate calendar that we use to keep time, the moon actually goes uh, around the earth 13 times a year, not 12 times. And uh, that's why we have a blue moon, an extra blue moon every, every year and sometimes twice in a year, depending on how the, how the calendar falls. But In any case, this is not the kind of blue moon that we're talking about. The blue moon we're talking about tonight um, is a phenomenon that happens when you get dust and particulate in the sky. And uh, sometimes that creates a a filter sort of effect in the atmosphere, and the moon will actually appear blue. And uh, sometimes that can actually even happen to the sun, which is an interesting concept altogether. Uh, which we may talk about in detail a little bit uh, a little bit later. I'm not going to get into it now, but there's a uh, the idea that the sun might turn blue or appear blue to us at some point in the future um, is or possibly significant. So anyway, Mount St. Helens in Washington is kicking up a bunch of ash and a bunch of uh, particles flying into the air. And uh, if uh, if a bigger eruption happens, which we know is possible now, there's a potential for a a much bigger eruption on Mount St. Helens. Um, it's possible that we might get that uh, effect that gives us the blue moon looking sort of thing uh, in the uh, in the skies above our heads when we're looking at the moon and when we're looking at the sun. Uh, once in a blue moon, as you know, we've all we've all heard that uh, that saying during our lives, and it usually means not very often. We say once in a blue moon, it means not very awesome. Sometimes it also means kind of silly or absurd. Uh, but, uh, yeah, sometimes the moon really does turn blue, and uh, when the air is filled with these particles, uh, which come from lots of different sources, but in this case we're talking about vol- volcanic activity, um, the moon can actually turn blue. And, um, well, what else uh, do we have here? Hmm, I talked about Aurora a little bit. 
Talked about the blue moon. Talked about solar data. Okay, that's all for space weather update right now. Things mellow on the sun. Things pretty cool above our heads. And uh, nothing too worrisome going on. Tutatis uh, flew by. Uh, as you know, we talked about that for the last couple months. We've been looking forward to that Tutatis flyby, a near-Earth asteroid that came very close to the Earth last week. Uh, but that uh, went down un, uh, without, without any, any significant uh, events coming from it. Although it was pretty interesting that right when Tutatis was flying by and we had a full moon, uh, we started to see uh, we had these earthquakes in California, and we also started to see the increased activity in Mount St. Helens. And, of course, these things are related. The sun, the moon, all the different bodies that float around our solar system, each one of those things has mass, and each one of those things uh, exhibits gravitational pull on one another. That's how our tides are controlled or, or uh, uh, how our tides actually are affected. Why they change is because of the moon, and the moon pulls at different strengths depending on how close or how far how, how far away it is from the earth and um, when these things line up uh, the forces can increase and cause activity down here on the earth and in some cases uh, in some cases earthquake activity and volcanic activity which are both connected all of these things are seismic in nature they have to do with geological uh, concepts that happen underneath the earth, underneath our feet, and underneath the the oceans. And all these things are connected. There are big rivers and oceans of lava and magma that move around underneath the earth and pressures build and pressures need to be released and equalized. And it's a very dynamic thing that's happening underneath our underneath our feet, although we don't like to think about it or we don't typically think about it very often. These things are always in motion, always in flux, and when you have an earthquake in California, uh, that can certainly be related to seismic activity and volcanism in Washington State or in uh, Japan, for that matter. Uh, all of these things are connected, and we're watching them very close, and we'll be talking with Kent Stedman from cyberspaceorbit.com and just about a half hour about some of these things and other things. Don't forget, uh, like I said before, KOPN Fall Pledge Drive starting tonight. And uh, please um, give me a call, 874-5676. Donate any amount of money that you feel comfortable with, anything you can afford. But we really need your support, and we really appreciate it here at KOPN and on Radio Orbit. We'll be back in just a few minutes. This is you 2 You're listening to Mike Hagan, Radio Orbit, KOPN.
members at random serpentane through fatty coils emerging. Some other thought is thinking this light shines above the hound bells on the ground. This illumination visited upon the whole An idea, the demon is a wave of scratch marks left across the surfaces of your mind. This hour now upon us, the hour has now arrived. On Mars, Just wanted to be one of you 
on the outside before that soul coughing with unmarked helicopters that one was for Casper you know who you are and uh, both of those songs off a CD called Songs in the Key of X 
a bunch of music that was compiled and put together for the X-Files television program. And I played those both in honor of Dr. John Mack. And I uh, wanted to say a few words about Dr. John Mack before we get to Kent coming up in 20 minutes. I don't know if you know who John Mack was, but he was a Harvard, a tenured Harvard professor and psychiatrist. Uh, he was uh, hit by a car and killed in London on Monday night, uh, the, the 27th. That was just about a week ago. And he was... Uh, a very interesting guy and a real uh, um, a brave and a groundbreaking researcher. If you don't know what John Mack did, he was uh, he was about the most important scientist ever to to admit that the abduction phenomenon, the alien abduction phenomenon, was not just a bunch of nutcases that were out of their minds. That this was a phenomenon that was affecting normal people uh, it wasn't just a, he determined that it wasn't just a bunch of people looking for publicity and uh, crazy idiots um, he stood up for a group of people who are among the most derided in our culture and in our society and he did so with great skill and knowledge and his work was so good and so well done that even his detractors eventually many of them had to come around and and uh, and basically say that they couldn't deny the research and the evidence that Dr. John Mack was providing when it came uh, down to this phenomenon of UFOs and alien abduction. Now, John Mack never really uh, came to any particular conclusion. All he did was research the phenomenon, and, 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 and the only conclusion that he came to was that something very strange was going on. And it was not explained away by idiocy or neuroses or liars making up uh, stories for publicity. Uh, he documented a huge number of cases, and and he's been doing he had been doing this for many many years. He was one of the original uh, researchers to get a, uh, to get really a close look at the abduction phenomenon. And of course, uh, he is a was a Harvard uh, a tenured Harvard professor, and there were many attempts made to. To, to get his licenses revoked and to get his tenure revoked and to get him thrown out of Harvard. Uh, but he was... Uh, he, he, he stood tall, man, and the guy, the guy just let his work speak for itself. And eventually uh, he became about the most respected guy in the field. And uh, John Mack is a tremendous loss to that community, but the work that he did... Um, is continuing and if you're interested in Dr. Mack you can go to the John E. Mack Institute that's John the letter E Mack M-A-C-K Institute dot O-R-G and you can learn more about Dr. Mack and the research that he was doing at Harvard uh, and you'd think that you would have heard about it but it was very important and still is and he was uh, a leader 
and in the best sense of the word, the guy was um, uh, uh, he 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 just he just beat back the people that that spoke about him badly just by the sheer excellence of the work that he did. And uh, to John Mack, uh, my hats off to you, Dr. Mack, and I hope you're doing what you can to help us out from the other side. Those last two songs were for John Mack, and I'm going to play one for one last uh, one last song for Dr. John Mack. Again, check him out posthumously at John E. Mack Institute. .org. Dr. Mack, this is for you. This is Tragically Hip with Heaven is a Better Place Today. Tragically hip for Dr. John Mack. That was Heaven is a Better Place today. Off of their new CD called In Between Evolution. And that might be where we are right now. Uh, Tragically hip, check them out if you haven't. Great band, trying to get them here to the Columbia area. 
sometime in the next year. All right, uh, we just talked about Dr. John Mack, and uh, like I said, just a just a tremendous loss to the uh, to the community that's interested in UFOs and the abduction phenomenon, and uh, a guy that um, that just uh, did a tremendous amount to to uh, to help the people that uh, have had those sorts of experiences. So, Dr. John Mack, and uh, okay, we're going to talk to Kent Stedman in just about. Oh, just about 15 minutes or so, and he's going to be uh, talking to us live from Seattle, Washington, where uh, not far from there, uh, Mount St. Helens is kicking up a bunch of ash and belching fire and doing all kinds of crazy things out there in the west, uh, on the, in the Pacific Northwest, and we're going to be talking about that and a whole bunch of other things. But uh, lots of volcanic activity going on around the world right now. Just in the last few days, Colima, down in Mexico, uh, had an eruption on Friday. Uh, Mount Spur in Alaska actually has an ongoing eruption right now. Uh, Mount St. Helens, of course, we know what's going on there. They've actually been talking about that on the mainstream news. We've been talking about it quite... Uh, for quite a while, actually, on the web for 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 about a week, um, but uh, the mainstream news is following it pretty closely now. It could be a real serious situation happening there at Mount St. Helens. Um, the uh, Rinjani volcano in Indonesia erupted uh, yesterday. Uh, Mount Etna in Italy is continuing to erupt. Mauna Loa in uh, Hawaii erupting. So all kinds of things. And we also had a couple of big earthquakes, uh, reasonably reasonably big earthquakes in California on, uh, I want to say it was Thursday. I don't have that in front of me right now, but it, but uh, uh, it kind of coincided. Actually, I think it was Wednesday because I think it coincided with the Tutatis flyby and the full moon, which, of course, we talk about a little bit. There's a word called syzygy and a guy named Jim Berkland who runs a, a website called syzygyjob.net. And uh, syzygy, boy, it's a tough word to say, too. And it is spelled S-Y-Z-Y-G-Y, syzygy. But it has to do with celestial bodies and about when they line up in conjunction. For example, the sun, the moon, and the earth all in a line. And that happens twice a month during the full moon and during the, during the new moon. But in any case, when, those, when, uh, when bodies line up like that, uh, the uh, gravitational effects of those bodies uh, are... Um, at their greatest, uh, the effects on one another, and they can affect things like the tides, like we talk about, but also uh, just like just like the the moon pulls water to to move the tide, it also pulls liquids on the inside of the earth, so it can move magma and lava and these things that are moving in these in these rivers inside the earth, and um, so all these things happen, and they're going on underneath our feet, and uh, uh, we're going to be talking about some of that tonight with uh, with Kent Stedman. Kent has a wonderful website, which you can visit at www.cyberspaceorbit.com, C-Y-B-E-R-S-P-A-C-E-O-R-B-I-T, cyberspaceorbit.com. And... Uh, Go on there and log on and visit 
Kent's website as you listen to the program, and you can uh, you can kind of interactively follow along with us. Now, the last time I had Kent on the air, I was experiencing some problems with my microphone, uh, kind of intermittently throughout the program, and I kind of am seeing the same thing happen tonight, and that's why. Uh, as I said earlier, it's our pledge drive week, and that's why we need the support from the community uh, because a lot of the equipment here that we use at the station isn't the most state-of-the-art stuff. Um, I have a feeling that the phone system, that when I get Kent on the, on the phone, that that has something to do with the, uh, the microphone um, Interference that you're that you're hearing now and again, but in any case, it is Pledge Week, and I'm going to say that one more time again. The phone number here is five seven three eight seven four K O P N. That's eight seven four five six seven six. Also one eight hundred eight nine five five six seven six. If uh, you're not in the five seven three area code, but it's our fall pledge drive, our autumn pledge drive, and we're trying to raise money to keep the station going and. Uh, I need you guys to help pledge your support for KOPN and for Radio Orbit to help keep us all on the air here. As you, uh, as you know, if you're fans of this radio station, you know that KOPN has been doing this for, uh, for 33 years now, or 32 years now, um, fully supported by the community here in mid-Missouri, and uh, just a gift to the population here and a treasure to the local communities, and I'm so proud to be a part of KOPN and to be able to uh, exercise my First Amendment rights and to have uh, an outlet and an opportunity to share my ideas and my thoughts and my friends with you guys, and I couldn't do that without KOPN, and you guys would certainly not be hearing the sort of talk radio that you hear on KOPN. Um, you wouldn't hear it if the station wasn't here because it's not happening anywhere else in this part of the country. In fact, it's not happening in many parts of the country uh, other than the community radio stations. And there aren't that many of us left. There are only 30, I want to say 33 community radio stations left in the whole country, and there used to be some 300. Um, but Radio Orbit is a show that you're not going to hear anywhere else. You're not going to hear it on one of the corporate-owned Stations, you're only going to hear it on KOPN. And uh, by the way, you can always check out Radio Orbit on the web at www.radioorbit.com. There's no, uh, there's just one O in the middle there, not two O's. Radioorbit.com, R-A-D-I-O-R-B-I-T. And uh, from, them, uh, from there, you can get right over to Kent Stedman's website, uh, cyberspaceorbit.com. And like I said, uh, log online and follow along with us tonight. There's always a lot of interesting visual stuff going on at Kent's website because he is quite the creative uh, person. And um, so anyway, Pledge Drive. I'll be talking about this at the top of the hour for the next couple hours. And uh, like I say, give me a call, 874-5676. Um, and uh, I will um, find out a way to take your pledge tonight, even though I'm the only one here in the studio at 3 o'clock in the morning, uh, but I want to do my part to try to help uh, keep KOPN strong and uh, keep, keep KOPN uh, protecting your First Amendment rights here in mid-Missouri. 
We'll be back in about uh, five minutes with Kent Stedman from cyberspaceorbit.com. In the meantime, give me a call, 874-5676. Pledge your support for Radio Orbit and KOPN. And there goes my microphone again. So, all right, this is the Lovemongers. We'll be playing some Seattle music tonight. Kent Stedman in just a few minutes. Lovemongers, Radio Orbit, KOPN.
Love Mongers on KOPN. That's from the soundtrack to the movie Singles. Uh, lots of good Seattle music on that on that CD. And speaking of Seattle, I've got my good friend Kent Stedman from Cyberspace Orbit on the line with me tonight. Always glad to have Kent with us here on Radio Orbit. And uh, without further ado, Kent, buddy, how are you? Well, I'm doing great. I've been busy all day. Fire on the mountain. Holy cow, man. I just did a little bit of uh, ba- background. I was talking about all these volcanoes that are that, that are that are blowing, and uh, you got one right in your backyard there. What's going on? Well, I can you know the, the, I can only uh, imagine and understand what I what I've been seeing, and I spent the whole day. I caught every darn frame <laughs> <laughs> of that. Uh, uh, the they've got a cam pointed right on the uh, about four or five miles away from the from the face of the Mount St. Helens. And I caught every frame, and boy, it's steaming and smoking. And, <laughs> and uh, the, well, what we've had and, and still are ongoing quakes. I mean, the, the, have you ever seen a seismograph where the little stylus goes up and down on a piece of paper? Sure. Well, it's just black. Wow. <laughs> well, just, hey, uh, before we get too deep into this, everybody, um, you can get to Kent's website uh simply by going to www.cyberspaceorbit.com or you can also go to radioorbit.com and uh, link to his site right from my site there. Uh, but uh, lots of great imagery up there at, at uh, Cyberspace Orbit, and you can see these images of the volcano that Kent's been grabbing all day and posting up there on the web. It's just uh, been a wild scene. Uh, okay, so... Um, oh, hey, Kent, I need to ask you a favor, too. I'm going to put you on the spot here on the air real fast. Yeah. Um, it's our pledge drive uh, this week, and um, I was planning on doing a show next week uh, to help r- uh, raise some money for the station, but I'm go- actually going to be out of town next week. And um, as one of the, uh, I like to try to give my listeners something special if if they call in and make a pledge to become a member and try to help out the radio station and keep keep uh, help keep my program on the air. And uh, you know uh, your CD that we call the Secrets of Everything. I was hoping that maybe you might uh, donate a few of those to my cause, and uh, and if uh, if some people call in here and pledge a little money to help the station, I'll uh, I'll uh, I'll give them a, a copy of that CD-ROM that has the entire archive of cyberspaceorbit.com. Well, you you have the uh, CD, don't you? I do. Uh, we'll just make a bunch of copies. I I burn them here one at a time on my uh, screen, so if a lot of copies go out, I no way I can handle it. I'm a poor old guy. <laughs> well, that is uh, now that's the kind of people that we have on this program, you guys. Did you hear what he just said? Go burn a bunch of copies of it and give them away. All right, um, and that's a lot like what KOPN does here. Um, this information is coming to you uh, tonight. You're lucky enough to have Kent Stedman and get to hear his ideas and information that he can present to you, but we do stuff like this on Radio Orbit all the time, and um, I can't do it without incredibly generous and uh, wonderfully spirited and hearted people like Kent Stedman. So, uh, so thank you very much, Kent. I appreciate that. I will do it, and um, I will. Uh, I actually have a couple that that are signed that have your autograph on them. So I'll, I'll uh, I might even give those away uh, to the uh, 
for the first couple people that call if we get somebody to call. So uh, the number here is 443-8255. That way you can actually get on the air and I'll pick up the phone because I'm the only guy here at the station. And uh, if you call in to make a pledge, I don't know how I'll do it when I have Kent on the air at the same time. Uh, But... uh, Call me, and we'll figure out a way, even if that means we have to take care of it at a later time. Um, Okay, Kent, thanks for letting me take care of that, and uh, let's get back to Seattle. And um, what uh, what do you have in mind for tonight? You know, we usually like to just kind of sit around the fire and uh, see where it goes, but uh, what's what's on your mind? Well, the set and the setting here is we let, you know, here Mike and I are, and there you are there. So uh, what we try to do is visualize pulling your chairs up to a pot belly stove where we can sit down and hunker down, hunker down they used to call it, and chew the fat and tell some tales and uh, uh, maybe mix some uh, science with some astronomy with just some uh, uh, wild imagination because that's what we like to do. We like to think outside the box, right? That's right. And uh, you mentioned my CD. I When I... I'm an old guy, and when I retired, I needed something to do. And my wife, I, I was kicking and screaming at the thought of it, but she got a computer. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I used the computer to carry, to continue some of my own quests. And my quests, I've always been a creative type, and I like to sort of like an old hound dog go out on the out by the river there and sniff around, see what I can find, <laughs> and then uh, drag it back and. And that's what I've been doing for 10 years. And on the CD is about 10 years of, of uh, reality sniffing, you might say. And it's taken us uh, probably quite a ways out of uh, Kansas, folks. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? But, uh, and uh, every day, Mike and I see things going on that uh, uh, really blow our minds. And lately... Last week we talked about UFOs and space things, but uh, since then, or last month, but since then uh, it's all come down on home to Ma Earth here, and we've seen some wondrous things with the weather, puzzling things with the weather, with the storms and with the volcanic activity now. But before uh, I get into that, you know, something's going on in space, too. Might as well get this out of the way. (laughs) What do you mean by that? Well, uh, you know how every once in a while we get messages from the scientific community and it says the scientists are all puzzled and they don't know what they're seeing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, in fact, whenever, whenever I see those stories, I always make a point to, uh, to read those on the air because uh, that, that's, that's one of the main things that we do on this program is show people that uh, even, in spite of the fact that, uh, that these guys are doing great work and I appreciate the work that the, that the gentlemen and the women in the, in the scientific community do, um, it is sort of an illusion that they have everything figured out, and uh, and we and we get shown that once in a while. Yeah, well, what's going on? Did you uh, talk about the supernovas? I haven't, but uh, I was hoping that we might talk about that while I had you on the air. So, well, uh, in this past week, oh, I got my screensaver came on, which, by the way, is a star field coming out my face here, hypnotizing me. <laughs> but uh, uh, Spacecom and other. Uh, uh, websites and the the mainstream news is talking about uh, where is it? It's talking about three supernovas that they've three big flashes of light in the uh, X-ray uh, uh, spectrum. Spectrum right. 
have appeared in the skies in the last uh, month, and uh, or even the last week. Now I can't find the cotton picking thing. But uh, uh, we're talking supernovas here, three in three different places all at once. Hmm. And uh, of course, a supernova. If you ever watch the, there it is. If you're if you're a sci-fi fan like me, the supernovas are those big blasts in space that might come to Earth and swallow us all up in a flash. <laughs> right. It's basically when it, when a when a star implodes and then explodes with a, just a tremendous tremendous amount of energy. But here's the headline. So gulp. It says scientists say supernova is imminent. Three. Powerful blasts from three wholly different regions in space. Here we go. Have left scientists scrambling. The blasts, which lasted only a few seconds, might be early alert systems for star explosions called supernova, which could start appearing any day now. And they're seeing them in the X-ray. Uh, X-ray. Right, 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 right. Uh, but you know. Now, my gosh, Ken, you know, I mean, you know what I'm going to say. I'm not well, going to say it. Just go. Hey, just go. Your turn. Your turn. No, no. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I just want you to keep going. Well, uh, you know, that keep going. It leaves me with a hat load of questions here because uh, uh, when you see these big flashes of lights in three different directions, you got like three pools of energy coming from you, man. You know, uh, like like uh, wheels expanding disks of energy coming towards Earth and uh, interfering with one another. And, uh, and uh, of course, this is an X-ray phenomenon traveling at the speed of light, but you wonder uh, what kind of cosmic shock wave is going to be followed, if at all, is going to follow the, the light blast. And... Uh, uh, is there going to be a gravity wave? Is there going to be a... Uh, uh, what did that... Now, I'm trying to think of that guy's name who discussed that phenomenon. Yeah, I know, I know who you're going to say, and I, and I'm, and I was just going to mention yeah. Dr. Paul LaViolette, and he has written extensively about this exact thing. And... Um, Boy, oh boy, would he be interesting to uh, to get to, to to talk to you right about now? Uh, that's something that we might have to pursue, Kent. We may have to get in touch with him. But uh, in any case, yeah, Dr. LaViolette uh, um, has a theory that every once in a while, um, these galactic supernova occur, and they usually occur in the center of galaxies, um, and. Uh, that would be in the direction of Sagittarius in our case, if uh, from from the perspective of Earth here, if you look toward the toward the constellation Sagittarius, that is uh, toward the center of the Milky Way, and uh, and he has, has spoken for for many years now about the, the the dangers of this exact thing, Kent. Well, uh, they say they're on the cusp when we're talking frequencies here. They, these are all. Uh, beyond the visual, I suppose, but the, the cusp between an X-ray flash and a full-fledged gamma-ray burst. Wow. And that was, what, about 99 that we began to hear about gamma-ray bursts. In fact, uh, one flooded our satellite equipment so powerfully that uh, it really got the scientists scratching their skulls because when they converted the energy... <laughs> 
<laughs> that, mm-hmm. that uh, came our way, converted it through Einstein's equation. They called it the Genesis signal because it almost accounted for all the matter in the known universe. That's exactly right. They um, and, and and they created a new name for it. Remember, they they named it a magnetar. Yes, and they originally called the signal the Genesis. Yeah, the Genesis signal. Now, isn't that interesting that we just had that hokey story about that uh, that probe, uh, the Genesis probe, uh, that a 200 and, you know, I went on a rant about this a couple weeks ago, and it just, every time I think about it, it makes me crazy. But, you know, a $265 million uh, probe and expedition, they send this thing all the way to the sun. Uh, it... it it orbits the sun for three years, collects all kinds of interesting material, supposedly, comes back to Earth, and they try to catch it with a couple of Hollywood stunt helicopters. I mean, what in the hell is going on? Uh, and uh, the name Genesis, uh, I just can't get this one out of my side. Uh, I think there's something more to that. But that's a whole other story, Kent. So. Well, it just, uh, you know, what it means to me is that they were subject in, in our bubble of reality, sometimes I feel more and more every day like I'm living in some sort of an electrical, electromagnet, well, the, the matrix, you know, like a f- fishbowl matrix. Yeah, it's like the Truman Show. It's like our own little Truman Show. But it just shows the go here that things come our way that uh, are, are very powerful and the, the influence I don't think we'll really be able to, It's like life. You don't understand what these things mean to hindsight. You know? Right, right. But uh, we got a buzz from space, folks. And well. we got a big buzz on Earth. I spent all day looking at the Mount St. Helens, and if you go to cyberspaceorbit.com, what I did, I, I carried it to the next phase of evolution. And I captured almost every frame, and then, then I made... Uh, got out our stiffy uh, windows encoder. Mike's been using that a lot lately. And uh, I put them all together so I got the all day long and boy it's neat to look at because the uh, giant mountain folks, what is it, seven, eight thousand feet tall and uh, and it's just Demon. Oh, man. I know. Demon I mean, like a rock by a fire on a cold winter night, you know. You know, Kent, we were talking earlier today about uh, about the word, the term tremor, and uh, just what an interesting term that is just for what's happening in this mountain right now, just this, this constant tremor sort of shaking. Yeah, well, what happened is that if you were watching the mainstream news right in the middle of the day, everything, everybody got all excited and started jumping around like grasshoppers on a hot road, you know, because they, <laughs> <laughs> they, that all the quakes that have been going on three, three a minute now, I think, that have been going on for days, and then they stopped. <laughs> Right, right. For each, they stopped, and then the mountain began to. Well, I, Mike and I are musical, so I, the mountain began to sing. It went into a state of tremor. Right. In other words, there weren't uh, pounding quakes, but, but just sort of a harmonic. Think of music hanging on a steel drum, playing calypso music or something. Right. In my mind, you know, the, the quakes stopped, and it started. The mountain started to sing, and. Uh, all the geo dudes and then the Department of Interior and the USGS and the Park Service and everything and started 
shooshing all the media guys out of there and all the people went up to observe who were about five. Well, I said earlier in the day, man, if that mountain goes, those guys better be out of there, you know, right. because they're they 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 five, four or five miles from the face of the mountain. Right, too close, yeah. And, uh, boy, they did it. They rounded them all up and said, get out of here quick. And then <laughs> they hopped in there. They hopped in their sleds, man, and floorboard about 15 miles away to the next ridge. Because when the mount goes into tremor like that, they say uh, that the it looks like the blast rather than venting steam like we all saw on network TV yesterday on CNN. They're talking now about magma rising and another big blast like we saw in eighty. Wow. Yeah, and when the, when the when you get into that tremor situation, when the earthquakes stop, that's the dangerous time because the pressure is building and uh, things are happening inside there that uh, that have to give at some point. So, man, oh man, interesting things happening out there, Kent. So I'm still watching it, even though the camp, it's kind of dark. But I figure if it lights up, I'll be able to see it on the camera. Well, you know, and I uh, got these bloodshot, I crossed eyes watching. <laughs> And isn't it a wonderful technology we have? I mean, they're kicking and screaming as I did against computer technology. Wow. I can sit here with a window right on Mount St. Helens and frame by frame and put them all together and have my own movie. Yeah, and watch it basically in real time. Amazing. And you can, too. Go to cyberspaceorbit.com. Yeah, cyberspaceorbit.com, and you can get there by going to radioorbit.com either way. Um, Kent, we're going to take a short break here and uh, listen to a little music, but uh, I want to, uh, before we go to break, you know, you mentioned uh, the stuff that's happening in the skies above our heads and the universe around us, these supernova that um, seem to be uh, occurring and surprising all these scientists and um and might might even show themselves uh, to the naked eye, you know, if a, if a, sup, if a supernova actually uh, uh, actually blows in the, in, in the right area, I mean, we'll, we'll actually be able to see those watch with the, the naked sun. eye. Watch the sun. The yeah, sun watch. Yeah, and and you 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 mentioned that uh, and also things were going on down here on Earth, and you know these things. There is certainly the idea that these things are connected, and uh, that the supernova are connected to the sun which is connected to the earth which which is connected to us and it goes on and on and on so yeah we got more to talk about yeah more to talk about back in five minutes or so with ken stedman from cyberspaceorbit.com in the meantime you got five minutes to call me and open your pocketbook and write a check to kopn 874-5676-1-800-895-5676 the only place in mid-missouri you're going to get talk radio like Radio Orbit. Be back in a minute with Kent Stedman. This is Robbie Robertson, somewhere down the crazy river.
followed the sound of a jukebox coming from up the levee. All of a sudden, I could hear somebody whistling from right behind me. I turned around and she said, "Why do you always end up down at Nick's cafe?" I said,、uh, "I don't know. The wind just kind of pushed me this way." She said, "Hang the rich." Robbie Robertson with little help from Sammy from the Bodines. 
That was somewhere down the crazy river. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN. It's about 3.25 in the morning, and I've got Kent Stedman from cyberspaceorbit.com on the line with me live from Seattle, Washington. And uh, I think you're still there. Got you, Kent? Yeah, got me. All right. Well, uh, where'd we leave off? We're talking about these volcanoes and supernova happening in the sky, and are they connected? And uh, what? Boy, we just, there's just so much to talk about. I don't know where to start. Hurricanes. Oh, man. These hurricanes have been strange. You know, a guy came out, he's a, he's a meteorologist up here in the Northwest. Right. Made a statement today. Uh, going to find it here. Yes, I am indeed. <laughs> The TV weatherman named Scott, right. quite well known up here, and here's what he said. He says, I am a meteorologist at an affiliate in the Northwest who now uses scalar weapon signatures within the clouds to better my forecasting record. Are you kidding me? Quote, unquote. He says, after closely watching high-resolution visible satellite imagery... There is no question in my mind that these storms weren't altered and guided to their final destination. No doubt whatsoever. I have come to a further conclusion. I get this, and, I, and maybe some people out there can call in and help me understand what, what he's saying here. He says, I have come to a further conclusion that the entire Earth's weather had been digitized. Hmm. Hey, Mike, what does digitized really mean? Now, I know that now our weather systems, they're more like a continuous phenomenon. They're analog, they'd call them. You know, right. where one that isn't the off and on sort of halt phenomenon, like, the, like, a, uh, like a, a digital computer, but they're analog. But it sounds to me like somebody is electrically superimposing a, an electrical uh, signal. Signal into mm. our weather stream. And it, well, I'll tell you what, we've been seeing it in terms of the geometry and mm -hmm, so on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've seen... And the trajectories. Yeah, the, the, uh, we're always seeing the, uh, the, the pentagonal geometry inside these storms. And it started uh, last year. What was the first one? Isabel. Yeah, folks. Now, uh, I've got a question for you all out there. We've been seeing precise pentagonal uh, eyes in these monster storms, these beasts that are coming in. Uh, they're not, you'd think that uh, in all that hodgepodge and the pods and spiral motion of the hurricane, and especially a cloud structure, you'd have a circular <laughs> eye, but we've been seeing right. a pentagonal eye. And if you look at my sight, you can see the darn thing in motion. It, 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 uh, Hoagland picked up on this and wrote some theories about it, so you can check his recent writings, too. But uh, you can see this uh, pentagonal. Now, that's a five-sided uh, geometrical uh, shape, and it uh, rotates, maintaining its pentagonal shape, and then kind of phase shifts into a square, and that's mm. the eye of, of this spiral hurricane. Which which, com which completely goes against everything that we're taught about the way nature works. Now we saw it. Uh, we've seen it in uh, uh, the, the recent one, Gene. Right. 
France. We saw it dramatically in Ivan. We saw it in Francis. We saw it in Francis, and we saw it the first time we saw it was most dramatically we saw it was Isabel. Right, last year. Isabel not only had a, fi a pentagonal eye, but it had the uh, five pointed star etched inside of it. You know how you take a pencil? He goes zzz, 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 without lifting your your pen tip, and you draw a little five-pointed sheriff star there. Right. <laughs> well, inscribed inside of the vortex was a was a was a five-pointed star. Right. That's absolutely right. And I so and and I I remember the day that we saw it, we were looking at the live satellite photos from uh, from NOAA from the National. Oceanic and uh, Atmospheric Administration, and uh, I, I'll, I'm in fact I think that you and I were talking over instant message at the time, and I think I had the conversation, and it was absolutely astounding. Yes, and uh, not only that, we've got the weather Scott guy, the weather for right. forecaster, saying hey. that it looks like it's been digitized. Right, and hey. the weather systems are under the influence of some sort of digital command system. Right, and that of course makes me think HARP. Uh, but who knows beyond HARP, uh, you know, what the technology may have evolved to at this point. But uh, but we know that, Kent, uh, Ken, maybe maybe you can um, talk a little bit about scalar technology and give um, some of my listeners who may not be real familiar with the terminology that we're using. Just give them, give them the layman's, uh, uh, the five, the nickel tour on, on scalar technology and what, what this guy's talking about. And by the way, before Kent does that, Go to the website, go to cyberspaceorbit.com, and look at these images. These are images that came directly from the satellites that are flying around our planet right now. And um, all Kent does is grab them and, and post them. And uh, you can go to the archives of NOAA themselves and see the same images if they haven't scrubbed the databases yet. In some cases, they do that. NASA does that. We know that. But in any case, go to Kent's website and check this stuff out. It will absolutely blow your mind. I mean, literally, a pentagram inside a pentagonal eye of a hurricane and this is uh, right there in front of your eyes and you cannot deny that this stuff was happening so yeah what you want to do is go to cyberspaceorbit.com and right at the top of the page you'll see the, the volcano information and then you'll see a, a, a vertical rectangle with a, a, a gene hurricane gene screaming in at 135 miles an hour <laughs> and uh and in the midst of that maelstrom, <laughs> this pentagonal eye, well, click on that and it'll take you to a more uh, explicit page where you'll get to see the uh, other pentagonal shaped eyes that came through in Ivan, Francis, and uh, Isabel. Yeah, Isabel, and you can the daughter of Baal. Right, right. And you can compare them, you can look at them all and see the similarities and the differences between them. So. And look at the way these hurricanes have been routing themselves. Look at the trajectory. Gene hit, <laughs> hit Stewart, poor Stewart, Florida, with a wind gust of up to 140 miles per hour in the exact same spot that Francis hit. <laughs> and on the same night, Saturday night, at about the same time, Francis hit a little bit uh, around just before midnight. Gene hit just before 10 o'clock. It was yeah. on the same night, the same time range, with the same force in the same exact spot. And I was watching the Weather Channel uh, while this was happening. And, uh, and I mean, that the uh, Dr. So-and-so and the uh, meteorologist, thus and thus, they were, they were just 
hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At the thought that this could be happening, you know, mm-hmm. because it's like a roll of the dice. Well, I have we, a hurricane book all the way from Africa, mm-hmm. zigging and zagging through the Caribbean, and then up and destroys Haiti. <laughs> and then... Uh, right, and what's been going on in Haiti recently? Well, for a while, you know, we thought the whole uh, the whole island was missing. Right. Because the U.N. teams flew over, and there was, it was such a mess that I guess the weather cover was... They couldn't find the island. Yeah, the island was called Tortuga, or is called Tortuga. But apparently that it was correct. They found Tortuga, but the uh, death toll was incredible. Sure. I don't think they're, they've really got it. They can only count the people, the, the, the casualties that they can find, you know, but there's right. a whole bunch of people missing. It was terrible. Terrible. Right. And there's also uh, been military intervention in Haiti recently. So uh, I don't know. I wonder if those things are connected. So. In any case, uh, okay. So, so we've got we've got a, a uh, an experienced meteorologist who's talking yeah. about scalar weaponry and digital technology, some sort of digital technology being used on weather systems globally. What uh, what does that mean? Maybe you can explain a little bit about what that means. What what is scalar technology and scalar weaponry? Well, I'm a visualist, and I, when I when I deal with these terms, I have to go traipsing off to somebody that really knows what they're talking about. So I went over to Alfred. Ah, I talked to Charlie. Talked to Charlie. And uh, I said, well, uh, he explained, imagine this, okay. Pull your chair up. (laughs) Get close to the fire here and have a drink. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine two big horn mountain rams coming down on either side of a valley and then in a fighting mode, you know, it's mating season and they're they're coming down and they're they got their heads lowered and they're about the same size (laughs) and they come screaming down the center of the valley and they ram each other (laughs) now what is happening there is a tremendous demonstration of force but because they're traveling at the same speed at the same mass and so on it would appear that 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 all that energy cancels itself out Okay. Well, the scalar concept says no, no, it doesn't cancel out because what you have there is a tremendous amount of energy. Right. Where did it go? It has to go somewhere. But it builds up what they call a superpotentiality. Right. Sort of like a voltage, you know. Okay. And uh, and apparently, according to Doc Bearden and some of the and Charlie and some of the others, what this can do is it can build up a, what's called a pressure wave that can now, <laughs> considering our specific technology, that it can now be directed, this potentiality can be directed through hyperspace to where it will pop up somewhere else on Earth. And uh, Dr. Tom is even saying that it goes beyond Earth. And he's talking about Dr. Connell dare to mention that what we do on Earth, for instance, with uh, with our uh, high energy physics, is that we could even <clears throat> affect the sun. You know, <laughs> right? And and by uh, just to clarify, by Dr. Tom uh, Kent is referring to a gentleman by the name of uh, uh, Dr. Colonel Tom Bearden, um, who is a uh, 
kind of the preeminent expert in this field of scalar technologies, and he's been talking and writing, writing about it for a long time. And, and Dr. Tom talked about uh, weather manipulation and scalar technologies being used for weather manipulation um, as early as, as 1972 or 73 when, when he uh, uh, shows evidence that the Russians uh, were the uh, sort of the innovators of this stuff and, were, were, and, and may still be further ahead of us uh, in, in, in who knows where the technology is now, Kent. Anyway, TV weatherman Scott Stevens, is, who's a meteorologist and works at one of the local affiliates, here is he's, he's if you click I put his uh, a blurb up on my main page if you click through it you go to urbansurvival.com where you have the whole story and he illustrates it with a uh, uh, some uh, uh, satellite and uh, radar photography where he's showing that things are going on in the midst of a Analog, natural, organic-looking weather pattern that it doesn't look very organic. Right, right. All these funky angles that we're seeing, and uh, uh, you know, nat- nature favors spirals. It fa- favors circles. It doesn't favor pentagrams. <laughs> but I want to carry the scalar concept because I asked, I presented this uh, idea to Charlie. You see, think of what type of weird beings we are. You know, uh, here we are in hamburger land, stuck in a hamburger body. And when you get my age, you realize how fragile it all is. Right. And uh, uh, but yet we sense within ourselves something that's unbounded. You know, which it is. I mean, it miserably is. We we're not only physical beings, but we're <clears throat> electromagnetic beings. When we think. When we produce a thought or an emotion or a sensation, we produce an electromagnetic field, you know. It's right. uh, call it what you want, the uh, the human aura or, or just the waves, the brain waves that come off our brain, but they could, they extend forever. There you don't you don't produce a brain wave and it sort of quits five right. feet away from your skull. It keeps going out and sort of mixes in in a in an analog continuous continuum <laughs> with everything else and so here we are we're kind of a uh, we're, we are these two beings we have the sensation that we are uh, unbounded you know when it comes to our intellect and even deeper to our emotional states and what we might call spirit you know, right, right. our dream state or imagination you can't put a boundary on imagination right where does it stop but we're that, and yet we're crammed for a spell into the matrix here, and the matrix is our flesh and blood body. And that produces, I, this was my uh, theorem I, that I presented to Charlie, this produces a kind of ramming, <laughs> mm. like two rams coming down on either side of the valley, button heads. We, we're button heads, each one of us, right. in trying to reconcile an unbounded self is, you know, in it's like the genie stuffed in the jar, you know. And I I asked Charlie, does this not, in fact, imply that a scalar type of thing is happening right here in in what we call self? And he said, yes, it is. Wow. In fact, Mike and I know a really good friend of Charlie's, a guy that lives up in North Carolina. Oh, man. Shoe. 
shoot. Yeah, you gotta have them. We will. I got to get Shu on this program. In fact, I got an email. I'm on his one of his email lists, and he uh, he talked about uh, the energy from the sun being tangibly greater, and his energy level rising considerably right at the uh, autumnal equinox, uh, which was just a few days ago, back in the 23rd. Um, hey, Kent, uh, I I just pulled something up, and I want to. Just to give a little validity, uh, a little more verifica- verification to the stuff that we're talking about here, um, I've got two quotes that I'm going to read real fast. One from Nikita Khrushchev, uh, who was the leader of the Soviet Union back in 1960, and then the uh, uh, the next one from Defense Secretary William Cohen, who was the Secretary of Defense under uh, under Bill Clinton. Oh, great! I was fishing for his statement. Yeah, check this out, you guys. All right. Uh, This is from Nikita Khrushchev. In 1960, he was quoted as saying, "We have," and this is just a clip from what he said, but here's part of it. We have a new weapon just within the portfolio of our scientists, so to speak, which is so powerful that if unrestrainedly used, it could wipe out all life on Earth. It is a fantastic weapon. Now, this is the the premier, the, 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 the leader of the Soviet Union in 1960 made that statement. Now, we believe that that was a reference to scalar technologies. Um, next, uh, this quote is from 1997 Secretary of Defense William Cohen. He says, other terrorists are engaging even in an echo type of terrorism whereby they can alter the climate, set off earthquakes, volcanoes remotely through the use of electromagnetic waves. So there are plenty of ingenious minds out there that are at work finding ways in which they can wreak terror upon other nations. It's real, and that's the reason why we have to in- intensify our counterterrorism efforts. And that was the Secretary of Defense of the United States of America seven years ago, William Cohen. So... Uh, we know that these things are real, uh, they, even though they're not highly publicized. Um, every once in a while, we get a we get a glimpse behind the curtain, and those are the sort of things that we uh, that Kent and I look for. And uh, sure, there, there there you have it. Well, I've got a, a conference here on one of my back pages where they pow out in Japan with a, a with a Russian scientist and a, and a U.S. Scientists and, it, and it's called the name is called ISTC Project 1545, published for all of the, for everybody to see. It's called MHD induced seismicity, space temporal variations of seismicity under impacts of powerful electromagnetic pulses. Wow! And what they're doing is pounding on either in earthquake faults. <laughs> With a, an electromagnetic pulse, it's got a little sketch of the gizmo here. You know what it looks like? It looks like an Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> That's what it looks like. It's this sort of box-shaped thing with a rod going through the middle of it. My gosh. You know, and so so that's the question, Kent. We're going to take another short break here in a second, but that's the question, and we'll come back and talk a little bit more about this. Uh, first of all, um, okay, we've covered scalars a little bit, and we'll get back and talk about these volcanoes again. But, gosh, is it? Are, are these events? Are we are we in the middle of a of a scalar war and don't even know it? Well, <laughs> I mean, I guess it's a possibility. Uh, I wonder if we're seeing any scalar sig- signatures in uh, in relation to Mount St. Helens. You know, Yellowstone. Uh, people have been talking about that being a, a scalar operation. Geez. 
full title, Induced Seismicity Due to Electromagnetic Impulse Impact Caused by MHD Generators. Okay, we're going to talk about this a little bit more. My guest is Kent Stedman from CyberspaceOrbit.com. Go to the website and check it out. There's amazing things there for your eyes and for your mind. Um, uh, you're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN. You'll have about three minutes here while uh, while we play this song. If you want to give me a call and pledge your support for my program and for the radio station during this week, our pledge drive, I will not be here next week. I'll be playing a taped program. I think I might actually play this one again, Kent, uh, um, so people can hear this. It's very important stuff, I think. But in any case, uh, back in a minute with Kent Stedman from CyberspaceOrbit.com. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN 89.5 FM. Rain Like ten angels falling down Like a mission and we're halfway there From some old dried up pride forgotten town Why Won't they let us be ourselves our potential, we could tow the line and show the bastards up with our divine line. Down protects them to the last with lies. Marcy Playground. That's called the Shadow of Seattle. And speaking of Seattle, I got my friend Kent Sedman on the line here with me, and we're talking about all kinds of interesting things. Kent, you there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm I'm, I'm going through emails. Funny you should mention this uh, tectonic weapons stuff because I've got a lady that mailed me a whole bunch of data saying, "Hey, this Mount St. Helens uh, 
seismicity looks really strange. I haven't looked through it yet, but I will. Yeah, we'll have to look at that and maybe maybe uh, maybe send Charlie a note and have him take a look at it and maybe get Colonel Tom to take a look at it. I mean, this is important stuff. I mean, I, uh, first of all, we have a personal interest because you're right there in Washington, and I don't want to see anything bad happen to you. That's number one. Um, but uh, there's a lot of like riding a bucking bronco. Gosh, I, can't, I mean, but uh, you know, this, we're talking about people's lives here and um, and and real serious stuff. And uh, who knows what's really going on? But sure, 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 sure gives you things to think about. Well, here's a lady that lives here in Seattle. Wrote me a letter, and she, she says. I would like to remind all those within a 500-mile radius to have dust masks ready for. Uh, I wasn't here in the in 1980. Was, was it 80 when Mount St. Helens really blew? Yeah, but I guess I guess they were scooping dust all over off the streets around here. Most of it goes east. How far are you from mm. uh, from St. Helens? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer, I guess. Right to the uh, well, I'm a couple hundred miles. I right, guess. at least a couple hundred miles. Okay. But uh, speaking of size, oh, what is it? Earthquakes. Uh, weird thing happened in 2001. We had a, a darn near a 7.0 earthquake here. I was in my house in the morning. Yeah, right there in Seattle. I remember. Wendy was still in her pajamas, and boy. Uh, you know, I lived in California for 23, 25 years, and I felt quakes there, but I never felt one like this. But here's the odd thing about it. Twenty, do you remember this? Twenty minutes before that quake hit, I got a, I got a, an alert message from a fellow that lives not too far from from Mount St. Helens out there. But this is a different story. He sent me. He says, "Hey, we're picking up a really strange signal." Yeah, yeah, I remember. Here on our shortwave radio, we never heard anything like it. You know, this is 20 minutes before, and he says, I just want to alert you that something might be going on. Yep, I remember it. And, and I was just pasting that up, that alert up on my, up on cyberspaceorbit.com, and wow, <laughs> the house started shaking. I grabbed Wendy, we ran outside, and, uh, uh, there's a lot of up and down vertical thump thump, then the whole world rocking back and forth, you know, like it's what it felt like. The whole planet was rocking back. And forth. Yeah, that was crazy. I remember. Uh... And this Russian guy, the Ukrainian guy, lives next to me. He comes out, yep, seven point earthquake, I'd say. And, uh, but <laughs> that was an odd earthquake because uh, very little damage really happened here. It's a seven point earthquake. Right. Uh, but everything seemed to stay intact. <laughs> and, if I, and if I remember, the depth of the earthquake was interesting, too. 30 miles. I believe it was 30 miles. Yeah, it was real, real, real deep. But uh, James Gilliland, he called me up 20 minutes ahead of time, gave me fair warning that it was happening because he was getting a signal. Now, what does that mean? A signal, a transmission. See, back in the 70s, it's when we think that the... Uh, the old Soviets were starting to first mess around with scalar technology. And maybe I'll back up in a moment and tell you how it was developed. Okay. How it came. But, but they call it the woodpecker signal. And that, that's about the time we started having a, this prolonged drought in the state of California. Mm -hmm. And things just seemed strange and dry and electrical, you know. Mm -hmm. And what they were doing was pulsing a signal over 
and I think it was powered by Chernobyl. Hmm. The equipment they were using. But see, this all—if you'll pick up a book called uh, "Secrets of Cold War Technology" by oh boy, I got it around here, buried in a pile of junk here. <laughs> I think it's Jerry Vassilato. See, this all started in the, during the nuclear age when they were doing detonations, and they, they did a couple of of it. I didn't realize this, but they literally shot some uh, missiles up into the ionosphere and ignited them. <laughs> Good going, guys. <laughs> right. The, the ionosphere is big, uh, a big part of this whole scalar uh, concept, right? Yeah. Well, they shot a, a they shot a ICBM with a nuclear warhead. They call I believe it was called Project Starfish. There were two or three of them, and ignited them in Earth's atmosphere. Great. Great. See what would happen? Well, what happened? See what would is, happen? What happened in sort of a funnel-shaped field uh, area below the detonation, everything went off. All the transmission stations went off, the electrical fields went off, the electricity went off. Because it built up some kind of a, a standing wave that uh, interfered with what's happening down here and turned everything off. Hmm. So, you see what happened is the big... Uh, uh, financial barons of the world they were powering uh, the development of nuclear weapons to start with and they're sinking a lot of cash in the United States because we had a big engineering pool and we had a lot of natural resources so all the, our engineers and physicists were getting rich right. you know And but they finally realized in nuclear technology that it wasn't going to do them very much good even though you have these various financial Kingpins, you know, Daddy Warbucks, Barons run the banks and the finances of the world, and sure. they're constantly bashing each other over the head and vying for power. It's disgusting. <laughs> right, right. It's 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 one of the battles behind the behind the curtain. So, but they began to realize that developing such a weapons system wasn't any good for them because they're going to get fall out on the top of their chrome domes too. Right. And so when this new phenomenon. Uh, trickled out as, as a secondary effect of a nuclear blast. They said, well, let's work on that. Let's mm -hmm. work on that. Right, and that was the electromagnetic side of it. And so they did, they began to develop electromagnetic weapons, uh, EMP weapons, and perhaps scalar weapons. There are a lot of people that say that debunk the scalar weapon concept, but I think it's actual. Yeah, I think it's, and in fact, I think it's self-evident. Uh, but in in which case, you know, we've had them in development since the 60s. And apparently during the uh, big standoff between Khrushchev and JFK, that was a huge concern because Khrushchev apparently had one of these super weapons mm -hmm. that was brandishing and threatening with a, 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 an electromagnetic pulse weapon or a scalar weapon or a super weapon, he called. Right, right. Which was ba and, and and again, this takes us back to Tesla and uh, Wilhelm Reich and guys like that, uh, and that 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 leads us off on an, an entire another uh, show to talk about someday. But uh, these technologies weren't all that new. A lot of this stuff was being experimented with and developed in the early 1900s uh, by by those type of fellows. Now back to hurricanes. We've had these hurricanes doing weird stunts, like they're being shoved around, pushed around. Now, Ivan, that was 
really strange. <laughs> cruises through the Caribbean and then comes scooting up in the Gulf and creams Tallahassee, Florida. And then what does it do? It goes up through the eastern coast of the United States, loops around and comes back. Right, right. Following down the east coast going south, everything started going backwards. I mean, there was a... I was watching this uh, the, on, on satellite. The, there was a... Uh, uh, a hurricane off of Mexico at that time, and it, it started shooting up uh, into Texas and so on. And there was a period of time for about uh, ten hours where where that retreated. Ivan began to do its weird loop to loop, coming down the East Coast and then back around through Florida and back up again and hit New Orleans. My gosh! <laughs> and I, you know, it was crazy because the weather people were trying to decide if they, if they had to give it a new name or if they got to keep calling it the old name. <laughs> and then Charlie, it's going up through the Caribbean, and cruising up toward Tampa, and, and they send all these people inland to get away out of Tampa to get away from it, and it suddenly does this right angle turn. Right. Right. <laughs> Right. It does this right angle turn. I, you know, with of course they wobble and this and that, but this hung a right. This hung a right. Went in and chased the tails of all the people who were trying to get away from it. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Hard, hard to explain, but it, it's it's sure been something else to watch. And yeah, they they sure seem to be doing some things that um, typically you wouldn't expect to see in the natural world. So. So, yes, you know, they say that we're about 50 years behind of uh, us ordinary local yokels, behind uh, <clears throat> what's going coming down in the uh, research laboratory. And uh, where it's going, who knows, but uh, the electromagnetic pulse weapon, the scalar weapon, and HARP, which... Uh, uh, HARP style, you know, those atmospheric heaters, HARP is not the only one. Right, right. At Arecibo and uh, some experiments out of UCLA, atmospheric heaters, and they're building a great. There's they're in Norway, right? And, who, and those Sweden, are the ones. Those are the ones Russia, we know about. In Russia, and what they do is they they transmit a signal up that that uh, is so intense that it will uh, heat up the ionosphere, making a, a, a mirror, and then they can redirect down back down, apparently with some precision, back down to the various regions of the Earth. Uh, similar to that concept of over-the-horizon radar, right? Yes. Yes. Hmm. Okay, well, look, it's 4 o'clock. Uh, we're going to do a quick station ID here, and I'm going to beg for money again for a minute, and um, then we'll listen to a quick piece of music and be back. Uh, we gotta, Kent, you going to stick around with me for another hour? All right, we got Kent Stedman on the line, live from Seattle, Washington, cyberspaceorbit.com, www.cyberspaceorbit.com. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN 89.5 FM, mid-Missouri source for in-depth news, diverse talk, music of the world. It's more than radio, it's community radio. And uh, it is our fall pledge week, uh, pledge drive, and this is the week that we do it. And so... Anybody who's enjoying this program, if you enjoy the uh, the concept and the ideas of Radio Orbit and the things that I do on this program, well, I need your support. <laughs> and uh, you can give me a call at any time at 874-5676. Or if, 
you want to call and get on the line with Kent Stedman, uh, ask him a question, you're more than welcome to do that too. That number is 443-TALK or 443-8255. In any case, uh, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about it, but uh, KOPN is the only place in mid-Missouri where you're going to get this sort of information, where you're going to get the diverse programming and the uh, great music and the great talk radio and incredible guests like Kent Stedman. Um, it's the only place you're going to get it, and I'm real happy to be a part of it, and I hope uh, that you guys will show your support and call in um, either tonight or any other time. You can always call uh, sometime this week. I know it's the middle of the night, um, but just call in and make your pledge sometime during the week and uh, mention that uh, it was uh, for Radio Orbit, and uh, that way we'll get credit for it. And uh, I've got some great, uh, some great gifts <clears throat> and promotional stuff to to give to anybody who... Uh, makes a pledge for my show, Radio Orbit. Uh, we've got the archives, the secrets of everything, a CD-ROM that was created by Kent Stedman. Um, it goes back five, six, seven years. All kinds of information and uh, investigations that Kent and his cohorts have been on over these last seven or eight years. Uh, there's just a tremendous amount of information there, and you could spend a lifetime just digging through that one CD-ROM. Uh, in any case, it's great, and uh, it would be a great addition to anybody's library. And uh, Kent has been generous enough to let me um, give those to anybody who uh, makes a pledge to KOPN and uh, supports Radio Orbit. In addition, uh, Phyllis Galdi from Fate Magazine, uh, she gave me some real cool stuff. I got some great Fate Magazine t-shirts and uh, a couple subscriptions to Fate Magazine for a year, which is great. It's an incredible little magazine that's been talking about the paranormal and the uh, mysteries of our world and our universe for over 50 years. They've been around since 1948. And uh, Phyllis Galdi was on the program uh, just a few weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago, maybe two months ago. I don't remember. We get such great guests on this program that uh, they uh, I can't always remember when they were on the air. We've got people like Dennis McKenna coming up in a couple weeks, Joseph Chilton Pierce. Um, we've talked to G. Edward Griffin, Dr. Colin Ross, one of the most incredible interviews I've done about mind control and the research and funding and covert operations that have been done over the history of this country and many others in mind control. Those are the kind of things that we talk about on Radio Orbit, and it's stuff you're not going to get from Clear Channel. So uh, call, give your support, and um, I won't take any more time here. We'll be back with Kent Stedman in just a minute. In the meantime, this is David Bowie on Radio, Radio Orbit, KOPN. We've been talking about changes, and this is the same. Eight seven four five six seven six. Still don't know what I was waiting for, and my time was running wild in the dead end streets. And every time I thought I got it made, it seemed the taste was not so sweet. So I turned myself to face me, but I've never caught a glimpse. How the others must see the faker I'm much too fast to take that test Ch-ch-ch-change it And face the strain Ch-ch-change it The 
changes on Radio Orbit. And we've been talking about changes tonight, and we're going to talk about some more interesting stuff here with Kent Stedman from cyberspaceorbit.com. And uh, uh, we've been talking about scalar weapons and this earthquake activity and all these wild hurricanes and uh, all kinds of different stuff. But uh, um, off the air there, we were just talking about Tutatis uh, a couple of minutes ago, and for the people who are regular listeners of this program, you know that uh, for a couple of months I talked about Tutatis on and off leading up to the flyby, which was just a couple of days ago. I think it uh, was nearest to the Earth on Tuesday and Wednesday of last week. Um, in any case, uh, Kent has some pretty interesting information about Tutatis as well. So uh, what, uh, what, what did you make of that whole thing, Kent, and what, what, what did you see as that was happening? Well, uh, a friend of mine, I mentioned him earlier in the program tonight. His name's Charlie Plyler, and he's, he has an organization called Alpharad, and he's a former Navy uh, uh, electronic intel. Right. And uh, he's developed a system where he buries, he, he's got a receiving station where he literally buries his uh, antenna into the ground. <laughs> yeah, he's got a cave, too, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> and picks up the Alpha frequency, extra low frequency that apparently the earth is is uh, a great 
transmitter of, <laughs> uh, and so he uses the 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 whole Earth as like an antenna receiving station, and with a series of filters and so on, and he's developing getting other uh, uh, technicians to build stations too, to where they can get. Uh, more precise triangulation, but apparently he can even reach off with a with a, a series of uh, electronic filtering. He can reach off Earth itself, and uh, even to the point where he was able to get the Doppler shift on the uh, uh, the uh, the big asteroid as it came by. Really, to actually kind of hear what it sounded like, and then he converted it to sound waves. So, what I'm going to attempt to do is let you listen to the sound of Tutatis. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> Coming by, so here goes. I'll see if it works. All right. There it is, opening Doppler wave. Whoa. That's wild. You can hear that the total Doppler shift where it sort of approaches and then leaves. <laughs> That's just me sitting here in my high-tech studio here. That is incredible. I'm going to do it one more time. All right, let's play it one more time. If you ever wondered what an asteroid sounds like when it's when it's flying by a, within a whisker of our planet, just about ready to smack us, that's what uh, that's what it sounds like. And he's got the sine wave of the uh, the picture of the signal itself. And like I say, Charlie's working on an idea where the whole Earth is is a receiving station. And Charlie. not only he can kind of you know he <laughs> he walks a narrow line because he can pick up events on various places of the world. If somebody dumb enough to do an above-ground test, he can pretty much pinpoint where it is, and uh, he can, uh, well, maybe I shouldn't go into that. Right, right, right. <laughs> right we, we, know, we know Charlie's quite capable. <laughs> Interview Charlie. Yeah, we'll get Charlie in here one of these you, times. You get his buddy shoe in there, too. I mean, you guys, uh, Kent and I laugh at cause some of this sort of inside joke sort of stuff, because we've been uh, talking about this stuff for so long together, and, and, we, and we're familiar with the same people, and uh, you, you, you just have to... Uh, you just have to listen to these guys talk and hear some of the information. The bottom line is that it's a, it's an incredibly interesting world, and there are some incredibly interesting people that uh, just because you haven't heard of them and just because you're not familiar with the topics doesn't mean that those things don't exist. So. Well, shoot, you know, do you ever see the movie uh, Phenomenon? Phenomenon, sure. Was it that, uh, that John Travolta film? That's you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is... Uh, yeah, yeah. That's you. And uh, he's been... Uh, doing experiments with some university professors uh, where he can uh, make their meters jump around remotely from quite some distance uh, just by uh, see like we were saying a little while ago if they all of our technology all of our technology whether it's a hot rod or a bomb or a, a popsicle stick you know they all what are they they all gener they're all products of the human mind right 
and so what about the human mind itself? And that's the threshold that science is just now daring in their timidity, I think, daring mm-hmm. to go to include in the big ball of wax of investigation to dare now to approach the mind itself and include it in there. Right. We, we, we talk a lot about quantum physics and, and how what a monkey wrench that has really been to the entire scientific establishment because it kind of, uh, it, it's a scientific way of saying exactly what you're talking about right here, that the mind is capable of all things. And a whole new field called plasma physics. Now, folks, I'm just, a, I'm a, my, my background is in the humanities. And the arts. And I'm a spotter. But that's what they call me. I'm a spotter. My cultural assignment is to, which I really believe is, a, is an important cultural assignment, but my assignment is to look. <laughs> uh, for many years, I was an artist, and Mike and I are both musicians, and that's the right. I, I was, <clears throat> during the 50s, the Eisenhower Commission wanted us all to become Sputnik chasers and engineers, and I started doing that, but it. I felt an emptiness in my gut about it all, and so I went and decided to, uh, besides it was too slow, and so I went and pursued uh, an area in humanities, went into the art painter's studio, and it worked out well for me. I got a job teaching college, and and I'm now retired, but uh, uh, what I do is I go out and and look at stuff, because I'm trained to look. You know, and I'm also trained to look slightly outside of the cultural paradigm, <laughs> to look outside of the box, and I'll, I'll look for stuff. And uh, with our technology of our computer systems now, we have such great opportunity. I mean, I can spend the day looking at the Earth from a distance, right? Or I can spend the day looking at the sun through a solar telescope, and. Uh, and then a lot of people will join in with me, like Mike and others, you know, will join in with me. And uh, so we got hundreds and hundreds of people watching now, too, watching the edge of reality, you might say, the edge of of our particular weird culture. And we do live, let me, uh, you know, I'm going to get on my soapbox here a little bit because I, I've been a creative all my life. And I had to deal with this while I was teaching, you know, our our school system sort of turn our brains into raisins, man. And I was working trying to teach people to be creative, adult people in a community college system. And boy, it was, uh, you have to shock them back into their childhood awareness right. to be able to open their eyes and their, not just their eyes, but the, the, uh, the magic, the human imagination, image, mage, magi, magnificent. Hmm. <laughs> See, you have to to do that. To, and yet, I tried really hard to try to help them understand art by doing it, whether they thought they could do it or not. You know. Right. And uh, so, a lot of us now are uh, daring to. Th- we live in a strange culture, this machine world, sort of Cartesian. Uh, the culture is a machine unit or a business. You know, America is, what is it? It's a business. Right. They like to call it a business. Sure. Or the machine of business. 
or uh, and that reality can best be described through the tick-tock of a complex watch type of thing, the machine screen on our civilization. You know how weird that is, people <laughs> out there? Scoot up your chairs a little closer to the pot belly. <laughs> Study history. We live in an extremely peculiar, <laughs> peculiar civilization. Most of the world that we live on right now doesn't think the way we do. <laughs> and if you go through history, I mean, we're really isolated in, as a people in the way we think and the way we perceive reality and the limitations that we impose upon ourselves. Right. We live in a weird world, and uh, just uh, just open up your history book, and it will, might kick you in the butt to go out and uh, explore beyond the white picket fence of our, of our civilization. Right. You'll find out that there are other ways, total other ways to think. Right, and uh, you know, Kim, we're going to take another quick break here, but maybe that may, maybe that's a good uh, time to come back and talk a little bit about. Um, the elders. Yes, because that, boy, does that relate to what we've seen lately, eh? Yeah, I really think it does, and I just kind of got the got the little thought that just popped in my head, and I think that's a good time to talk about that. So we'll do that. Uh, Kent and I will come back and talk about some indigenous ideas and uh, the different ways that some of these people look at the cultural things that are happening today and how they interpret the world a little bit differently than we might and uh, uh, it's also our pledge drive week here at KOPN so if you're enjoying this program if you like what we do here on Radio Orbit give me a call at uh, any one of these numbers 573-874-5676 1-800-895-5676 or if you want to get on the air with Kent Stedman and ask him a question or just say hello you can call me at 573-443-8255, and that number will get you on the air. Um, you can also call any time this week. I know it's the middle of the night, and you may not be uh, looking for your credit card. You might just be laying in bed right now and listen to this incredible discussion I'm having with Kent. Um, but uh, you can call down here at the station any time this week, actually any time of the year, and pledge, uh, become a member at KOPN and support your community radio station and support Radio Orbit uh, because you're not going to get this sort of stuff anywhere else in mid-Missouri. So we'll be right back with Kent Stedman from cyberspaceorbit.com. A very interesting conversation, as always, with Kent, and uh, I'm sure you're all enjoying it. We'll be right back. This is a special one for Kent, and I think he'll enjoy it. We'll talk about it a little bit. Maybe we'll get back before we talk about the elders. There was a period of time when you weren't playing music at all. Um, Yeah. Nobody was playing old time, the kind of old time music you enjoyed playing. Right. And uh, you said something like 20 years, you just didn't I just feel motivated to play music. Oh, no, I tried. I until did. about the 60s, I guess. And and so the, the, the hippies got me back into music. But I never would, did wear my hair long <laughs> like the rest of the hippies. I was just a half breed hippie. <laughs> Now what is the matter? You walk all the way 
a good friend of Kent's. Yeah, a real good friend. Kenny and I, oh boy, we played. I first met Kenny. We were going to talk about elders. Well, he's one. In fact, he's a maestro. And, you know, that's a tradition. All of you out there, hey, hitch up your <laughs> your chair to the pot belly stove only. This time put a dulcimer on your lap or grab a spoon and clank it against another spoon. Or a, <laughs> you know, we should all be playing music and, <laughs> and then doing things like that. That's it's right. A, you it's know, a I, birthright. I always say, why let, the, why let the professionals have all the fun? <laughs> so one of the traditions is to go sit down at the by the side of a person like Kenny Hall, who, by the way, he's born and raised in Arkansas. Blind from birth, right? Blind from birth. Uh, he lived the last half a century in Fresno, and I was teaching college in Fresno. And, boy, I went, uh, you know, someone, let's go. Well, here's what happened. <laughs> I was sitting in my in a sunny afternoon, and I uh, heard a knock on the door, and there was Kenny selling brooms. That was his period he was talking about where he quit playing music. He was selling brooms. Mm -hmm. And uh, it clicked in my head that that was the rumored Kenny Hall that I'd been hearing from the other hippies about. <laughs> and I invited him in the house and sat him down. And I just happened to buy an old man brown back mandolin because right. it was pretty. <laughs> and it had some old rusty strings on it. And I said, can you make this thing work, Kenny? Well, boy, howdy. He stuck that thing on his lap. Right. And he played 10 hours straight. 10 hours straight and never repeated one tune, and they're all written before 1910. <laughs> My so gosh. He's a walking encyclopedia. Well, I, you know, I'd played guitar for quite some time, but different kind of music, and I became a disciple of Kenny Hall along with a whole lot of people in that town not much else to do and uh oh man it was just wonderful wonderful memories i could tell you stories about i'm going back down there to fresno hopefully that if i can scratch the airfare together i'll go i'm going down because they're they're turning they're doing a public uh radio tv special on kenny hall he's like bill monroe he's one of those old guys that says that we're so fortunate. The state of California made him a maestro finally. Oh my gosh! And uh, he, he's lived on his music, hence. Yeah, well, the music is stunning. The guys, the the guys, ridiculous. I mean, uh, not not only his repertoire. You know, he's got this incredible repertoire where he can just. Like you say, he can play for days without even repeating the same song twice. Um, but he just plays with such great heart. <laughs> you know. Yeah, one of his tunes goes, We know what old Kenny wants. We know what old Kenny wants. Again, us on us off. It's an old Irish tune. Right. Again, us on us off. So we played, for, we played for beer and for cigarettes and all the various dives around town. And a whole bunch of us. I was a novice. And that presents the, the concept of the elder... Uh, disciple relationship, you know, the way t Kenny would teach, he'd say, well, mm -hmm. grab your guitar and sit over there and here, hand it to me first, I gotta tune it. <laughs> right, right, right. And then, and then, uh, there'd be 14, 15 people that he kindly lets into, we'd be down at a place called Dottie's Den <laughs> in Sanger, California, we'd be 
the Agonai Lounge, which was a very risky place. And this is this is Fresno area. And Tulare Street in Fresno, kind of a rough district. But there, okay. Kenny would go. We go down there, and there'd be a whole pack of hippies listening, and half of us were playing. And he'd allow it. You know, he'd say, "Ah, come on up, let's play." But thinking about it, let's do it. So there'd be 14 people around with assorted instruments, mandolins, dulcimer. I played the lap dulcimer. Right, and, which you uh, still play very well. And and guitars, and we'd all start playing. Can you say, wait a minute? And he'd point to the, the 14th guy down at the end of the row, and he'd say, your D string is a little bit flat. Because oh <laughs> <laughs> he could see. He was blind since birth, but Kenny could see, <laughs> you know, with his ears. Right. And uh, uh, we played on the streets. We played, you know, played for tips, played for cash, played for the, in the school, for schools. And uh, he came to my college. All, I had this rather formal class at night, and it got to me having to stand up at a lecture podium in front of 200 people. So I'd haul Kenny, and we'd play the night, and... The other musicians would join us, and art appreciation would be totally destroyed for the evening. <laughs> We'd be playing Kenny Hall music, but uh, it's a wonderful experience. It's just wonderful, wonderful to 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 learn music the way it was always learned before some fool decided to write it down on a piece of paper. You know, you just listen to it. Right, right, and use your ear. Use your and your mind and your and your heart those three things you can do amazing things and the tolerance that the maestro has to be able to put up with all that oh. but you know old timey music which is what Kenny calls it uh, he doesn't call it bluegrass he calls it old timey right preceded bluegrass right uh, but he plays a lot of uh, uh, who did I mention Bill Monroe mm-hmm. he knew Bill sure New Doc Watson, all those guys. Well, you know, you mentioned the uh, this idea of the of the the master or the maestro and the apprentice, and uh, you know the, the 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 elder teaching the younger person or the or the, the the neophyte, the person who's just taking up the skill, and and that is something that unfortunately I think that we're lacking right now in a lot of cases. Uh, um, the the elders with the wisdom and the experience of life you know I, I think about the way that we the way that we treat older people in this country you know old people are considered a burden primarily and they're relegated to old folks homes and these you know sunny hills or sunny acres and who knows what goes on inside some of these places but in any case uh, they, they don't generate income they're not economically viable so they're if therefore in our culture they're considered um, in many cases uh, not of worth and unfortunately that couldn't be more out of line with my own personal experience um, you uh, are included in this list of among I feel so fortunate that I, m- many of my friends are much older than I am. Um, but because of this exact thing that we're talking about, this idea of learning and being taught by the master, by the maestro, somebody who understands these things that you want to learn. And we have to have a model. We have to have a model. 
Yeah, and a great, great maestro like Kenny Hall. Don't tell your friends about Kenny Hall. You know what he is? He's a national. He's a national treasure. He's more. He's more important than than the local bank. You know? <laughs> and the gross national product. That Kenny Hall is a true treasure, and and his music will continue. You know, they'll remember Kenny Hall. They aren't going to remember. Daddy Warbuck. Right, right, right. You never remember the rich guys, <laughs> but you remember Kenny Hall and uh, the tolerance and humility he displayed as a teacher is just awesome because you know the, the, the guy can hear. I'll tell you what about you know to be able to have a whole bunch of musicians just learning sitting around him with his sense of hearing is right there. I couldn't do it. I don't think. Right. But, you know, Kenny, I've been hiking with Kenny. He leaves you in the dust. They dump him off on a high Sierra Trail, and I'd follow along sometime for a ways as long as I keep up with him. But the guy is blind, but yet he can hike sometimes all by himself through mountain trails with precipices on either side. My gosh. And he can tell where he is in the, by the echoes, and he can... Uh, you know, he can tell when he's standing in the shade, he can tell whether it's a shade cast by a cloud or a tree. And he can tell where in the Sierras he is by the sound that he says the crickets sing in different keys. But, <laughs> right, so this is the kind of. Uh, the, With that sensitivity of hearing, right, right. and yet he, the humility and the, and the patience he had with by spawning hundreds of. Kids, you know, in Central California, San Joaquin, me included, when I was a kid, which I'm not anymore, to put up with us all, you know, missing our chords and hitting the wrong notes and stuff. Right. But it, 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 it's his deep belief that old-timey music is where people come together and play music, you know, <laughs> without pretense or without preconception or without... Uh, uh, a sense of any formal training you play. That's the way they did it in the old days. Right. Well, great stuff. And, uh, yeah, the, uh, the, the eld elders are elders. They don't, uh, they don't particularly have to be from any particular culture or background or nationality or race. Um, there are amazing men and women capable of incredible human feats uh, that show us uh, the human, the potential, the real potential of our own selves, you know. And uh, when we get a glimpse at these people and we realize that they're just people like we are uh, and they have the humility that you talk about and the, 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 uh, the generosity to share their knowledge and their wisdom and the things that they understand, um, those are the ways that we can hopefully start to achieve those things in our own lives or whatever and then do our job to pass that on to the ones that come after us mike and i've had the good fortune to uh, meet with some traditional native american elders and they're another group handful of people that i know that i'd really like to uh that i'm very grateful for knowing in fact they saved my life once the truth. I went through a dark night of the soul once, and they came and grabbed me and fixed me. Hey, Ken, I think that's a good time to take our last break before the end of the show. We'll we'll, uh, we'll take a break. It's going to take about three minutes. Um, then we'll be back for about another 
12 minutes to wrap up the show. We'll have to uh, stop at about seven minutes till the top of the hour so I can wrap up with my pledge drive stuff. So let's, uh, uh, let's come back and talk a little bit more about the Native American elders and how that ties in uh, maybe. I think we've got time. We can tie it in with some of the stuff we were talking about earlier tonight about the volcanoes and maybe even the uh, supernova. I'm thinking Blue Star, Kachina, that sort of stuff. Yeah, Kent. you picked up on that today. That was awesome. All right, we'll be back in a minute with Kent Stedman from Cyberspace Orbit. He's been my guest all night, and uh, it's been a great conversation, as always, with Kent, and we'll be back with him in just a minute. You've been listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN 89.5. It's our Pledge Drive Week. Give me a call, 874-5676. Pledge your support for KOPN and for Radio Orbit. This is one of the most dangerous men around these days. Enjoy this one. It's a wild world. Now that I've lost everything to you, you say you want to start something new. And it's breaking my heart, you're leaving Maybe I'm grieving But if you want to leave, take good care Hope you have a lot of nice things to wear Then a lot of nice things turn bad out there
Wild World. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN. I'm with Kent Stedman. We're not going to waste any time. Let's get right back to it, Kent. Well, Mike and I had a chance to go to Denver. Mike lived in Denver. And uh, we went to a powwow <coughs> there. Well, it was a world council. Not exactly a powwow, but a presentation by the elders from various places. And uh, These are people that we've been talking about, the weather and natural things. These are people that are... That are sensitive to that, you know, like Kenny's sensitive to the to the music. They're sensitive to the uh, uh, cycles of the weather, and uh, so uh, they were telling us some stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, and they, and their their sensitivity to the Earth in general, and uh, and and a lot of the systems in play on the Earth, including the weather, but also including uh, things uh, more. Uh, seismic in nature, the volcanoes in particular, and uh, and earthquakes, that sort of stuff. Yeah, well, I hope he grandfather. We probably shouldn't mention his name. No, no. You know, these guys are being watched by <laughs> people. But uh, I hope he grandfather told us that uh, he told us very clearly, very specifically, and mentioned it more than once to watch the volcanoes. And this was what uh, 2002. It was 2002, right? In April. And uh, uh, kept saying that a number of times. Right, watch the volcanoes. And then uh, one of the Lakota uh, grandfathers now passed away. He, he he was one of the people that brought the sun dance back into practice again in our time. He's a really good, great man. Unfortunately, he passed on. He said he was going to pass on. He did. Right, he basically predicted his death and... Uh and what did he tell us, Kent, about uh, about this particular time frame that we're in? Well, he said that the sun and the earth relationship is going to change, and that the the, uh, the sun would withdraw its energy from the earth and allow the earth to go on its own for a while, where it would spin, finding its a, a new balance and a new spin. He said, I, "That's my interpretation. I may not have it quite right." Right, right. And he said, "Uh." But it doesn't. It isn't like the sun is going to go out, <laughs> because he said you sure can get a lot of sunscreen. Right, I remember that, and it is difficult to interpret sometimes. These guys talk in riddles uh, by by design sometimes, but certainly uh, uh, the the grandfather that we're talking about uh, had serious concern or. Uh, Information about the sun and what he considered to be a significant solar event or a change, like uh, like you say, Kent, between uh, the relationship between the Earth and the sun. And then another one of the grandfathers passed away. Boy, I was blown away. He, he sat me down and started talking about the relationship between the Lakota language and quantum physics. That must have been Grandfather Wallace. <laughs> yeah. And I don't mind mentioning his name on air. I, <laughs> Wallace I, I, Black Elk. I hope everybody knows Wallace Black Elk, and I hope I hope you all take the time to read uh, about him. There's some interesting things about Grandfather Wallace on the web, and, again, a re, uh, just a remarkable, remarkable human being. And like I say, uh, in California, I sort of had spent my energy at one point in my life and was really floundering, and... Uh, had a, a farm there like Mike has now. <laughs> we even had the same tractor. Isn't that something? <laughs> and, uh, well, uh, 
some uh, Native Americans, the Indians came and built their sweat back in the, I lived along a creek that was a prehistoric creek, and they said that was a special place for them. And their local tribe called the Choinumni, and they uh, built their sweat out there. Well, it turns out that they nabbed me because I was dying. I, you know, they told me I was dying, which I was. <laughs> And they put me in there, and they did it. Uh, they helped glue my spirit back to my poor body <laughs> against my resistance. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I cussed at them and said, "Leave me alone, go away." <laughs> yeah, we, we don't. We don't go. Easy I want to get that. out of here. Too dang hot. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they laughed and they said, "Well, time for you to be getting in the wind." And go on your quest, or you, you, you're not going to make it, son. <laughs> and I said, "Oh, bull, you know." And boy, but it took it like a. I don't, you know. They they had that perception that they saw it coming, and it came. And within two weeks, I was out doing everything I could to keep from dying, <laughs> and which worked. Wow. So you know, I owe a great debt, and you know, they're. <clears throat> ordinary folks, you know, guys you can slap on the back and tell jokes. Mm-hmm. These guys that helped mm-hmm. me, the kid around, and and but uh, when it comes down to, the, to their spirituality, they get pretty serious about that. Right, right. Well, uh, yeah, there's the the um, it has always been in the back of my mind ever since we spent time uh, with them. During that weekend, and then uh, uh, subsequently a- afterwards, for me, and 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 uh, and even prior to that, uh, when you originally introduced me to that uh, uh, that that incredible group of people, but uh, they the the talk of the volcanoes and um, the Hopi legend of the blue star, the Kachina, that which uh, which which many of the leaders of the Hopi nation say is imminent. Well. We talked about Paul Laviolette briefly uh, earlier, and uh, some of the uh, the theories about the supernovas and and uh, and and what might happen when when they show themselves. Well, the the blue star uh, legend, the legend of the Kachina of the Hopi nation, um, is exactly that—a blue star—and and and, uh, and that's the way that certain supernova will appear to us in the sky. They'll be blue shifted, uh, and also, uh, like I said, Kent, we were talking about earlier. I, f- I found an interesting little clip uh, on space weather about uh, a certain filtering effect of particulate in the atmosphere that can actually cause our star, uh, our sun, to look blue, and that could be caused by volcanic activity. There's a lot of interstellar dust coming in. It's probably part of the big uh, uh, event that the prefaced by these gamma bursts we've been getting over the last few years, and now three more, boom, boom, boom. Wow. With a corresponding uh, gravity wave, uh, who knows what's going to happen. You know, this is not a doom and gloom thing for me. No, no. Instinctively, it's not. It's it's like it's connecting us to uh, our origins in a strange sort of a way, because my imagination will go way, way out into space. There's no limitation. Right. And I trust my imagination. I, you know, the, you need both. You need the filter of the analytical mind, and you need the, the ability to drift 
with the mind's eye to the eye of the imagination. And you use them both. Right. But uh, so I can reach out into those deep spaces with uh, my mind. We all can. We mm-hmm. all can. Mm-hmm. If we if we allow ourselves, it's it's a childlike thing. You don't learn to do it. You just do it. Right. Know? Right. Yeah, we've forgotten. A lot of people have forgotten that they can just do it. All you got to do is close your eyes, and you don't even have to do that if uh, if you don't if you don't want to. And you can just open up your mind's eye, and you can go anywhere you want. Uh, the uh, we talk about the speed of light sometimes, but we don't ever talk about the speed of thought. Well, the speed of thought is instantaneous, and this gets us to the quantum ideas. And um, you can be anywhere, anytime. All you got to do is will it <laughs> yeah and some of these great fields of light and energy are coming our way well man that sounds good it's getting kind of dull down in hey i tell you what <laughs> I, could, I couldn't agree more and, and I, I, I think you made a great point and I think I want to reinforce it that um, when we do programs like this and we talk about uh, these changes um, that I certainly don't talk about them with an attitude that this is necessarily bad or good it's just Incredible, and it's just an amazing thing to witness and watch as all these changes take place, and you're a part of it. And uh, you can incorporate it and uh, and make it something that's fearful and frightening, or you can just quit fighting the river and go with the flow and use your imagination and just check it out as it happens because uh, we're all a part of it, and it's just, uh, uh, like you say, it's um, it's been status quo down here for way too long. Let's uh, let's Let's make the game a little bit more interesting and see what's going on. And we only have a blink of existence on this rock to do this, you know. And uh, life is, you know, I'm pushing 63 now. And when I look back at my life, it's like it all happened in an instant. <laughs> you know, my great-grandfather told me that and the night he checked out of Earth. He says it's like it all happened in the snap of a finger. <clears throat> well... I'll tell you what, uh, I think, uh, what time is it? Yep, it's about time to wrap it up. And uh, Kent, as always, it's been a pleasure having you on the program. We'll get this, uh, get this thing um, up on the web in a couple of days so some of your other fans and um, uh, friends can, can hear it. And uh, here we are, two hours later. It's amazing how fast the time goes. We could be talking for another two or three or four or ten and uh, just go on and on. I wish I could just stay on the air. Well, all you listeners, you should realize what a cool host uh, Mike Hagan is. And, you know, when I'm talking to him, of course, we're friends, but this isn't like an interview. It's like an exchange of ideas. And while we're doing this, we're thinking of you, too. You know, with our imaginations, we're pulling you in, <laughs> too, and we can feel you there, too. And so uh, it's a very comfortable situation, and you people out there, in misery very fortunate I hope I can come out and visit somebody. well you know that's why I do it I mean you and, you and me talk privately and I get so much out of those conversations and some of the other people that I'm fortunate enough to know and read about and talk to and I just want to share that stuff with other people because it is important and times are changing and uh, you're going to roll with it or it's going to roll over you so uh, uh, with that Kent thanks again as always 90. 90, and uh, we'll talk to you very soon. We're going to finish things off with a little Seattle music. This is Pearl Jam. You've been listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN. It's Pledge Drive Week. Call anytime this week, 576. I take that back, 874-5676. Become a member of KOPN and uh, support Radio Orbit. Uh, Carol Greenspan with Jewish Spectrum will be on 
uh, just following these next couple of songs. And uh, Carol will be playing some great music for you as well. Thanks again for everybody for listening. We'll be back uh, in two weeks. And uh, next week, uh, listen to a recorded program. And again, call in to pledge your money. We really appreciate it. Thanks to everybody who called in tonight. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Radio Orbit, KOPN.